0: Today on gig Powers.
1: The American pop culture came in and if you started uh, to write something as a German, write something like this yourself, you was always uh, perceived as something not quite white, something mm-hmm. not quite authentic. Someone, uh, uh, some section was perceived as, as American literature. And we were ecstatic in our own country and I think this has happened in many countries for example they have a huge scene of writing in Spanish Spanish and Latin America amazing writers that never really never really became known the amazing writers have, they have a huge scene in Spain I've heard and you barely hear anything about it but even this has started to change and well, this, this is something that happened to us and happened to a lot of people we were foreigners in our own country yeah. uh, we were confronted with an American dominated pop culture
0: you are listening to Geekdom Empowers, the podcast about people empowered through their geekiness Welcome back! My name is Guy Hasson and you are listening to Geekdom in Powers. Geekdom in Powers is the podcast that highlights creators and fans in the geek world who do not often get to be highlighted. It is these people, it is us, who make up almost all of the geek world. By talking to each person, by hearing their stories, Geekdom in Powers creates a huge, giant, world-sized quilt of all the geeks around the world. Well... Many of the geeks all around the world. Each person is a story, and together we are one story. One huge verse quilt. Today's guest is Michael Ivolight, a German science fiction author and editor of the German science fiction magazine Nova, editor of the international science fiction magazine Internova, which was published in English. This was one of the first influences, like 15, almost 20 years ago, which got the English-speaking audiences to the point where they're able to read and like science fiction from non-English speaking countries. As we can see, this is gaining traction recently, and of course, it's just begun, as we've seen in many episodes uh, of this podcast. This was one of the things that began that movement. As you'll be able to hear, I know Michael from all those years ago. He published a few stories of mine in German and in English in Internova and today he'll talk about his own path as fan, editor, and writer. He'll talk about international science fiction, about German science fiction, about the history of German science fiction and fantasy. It is fascinating. However, sound quality, in addition to raspy voice, means you should listen to this with earphones. It's worth it. By the way, you know, I remember we met over virtual reality it's called virtual. Yes, virtual therapy. In Second Life, about eight years ago,
1: we had a, there was a reading. We had an event even there that was yes. uh, five continents reading. It was you was included as a starter. It was Antonio Bendoni, Bendoni uh, from from South America, but the list actually in USA, writes English. Then we had Ahmed Khan. English uh, oh. Canadian writer who was, was born in India. Who was the fifth? Who was the fifth? Me remember. I was the last. I had uh, I a story. Who was the other one? Do you remember? It was the fifth one. I don't remember. Ah, uh, yes, yes. The, the African guy from Ghana. Hmm. Uh, Antonio, uh, Jonathan Dodson. Jonathan Dodson. I don't okay. know if he's still active. I had some email contact with him. Yes, this was always so long, long ago, and it was pretty, was pretty interesting, not quite the resonance that we hoped for, but it was quite something that was an successful in many, and something never done before. Yes, it, it was very
0: interesting. I was very happy
1: to be a part of that. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, so, so, what is your origin story?
1: My Merchant story, where I come from, what I do. Okay, let's make it, let's make it short. Uh, I was born in Düsseldorf, 1962, and since about 2004, I live in Wuppertal. It's rather close by. It's in the beautiful Bergische Land region. I've studied early in the eighties, um, a few semesters of, a few of, uh, philosophy, drama, literature. But then in 1984, I made my first attempt to become a freelance writer. First attempt didn't, didn't work out. Then I worked in the university for a few years. And since 1989, I am a freelance writer, editor, translator, critic, mostly, mainly in the field of science fiction.
0: How did you get to to like science fiction, like how did you, when did you fall in love with science
1: fiction? Yes, it's a little strange story, but actually I started, started reading weird fiction, the classics. We had a wonderful book series in German, it's a classic today the, the b- library of the heart of Usher. Everybody knows knows sure. where this name comes from. And this was wonderful. And I read all this stuff. Lovecraft and Elgin and Blackwood, montagu Rodas, James is I even wrote uh, Weird Fiction. And I think what started me into science fiction was John Brunner, the, the Stand writer. on Zanzibar. Will, please. Yes. Stand on, on Zanzibar. Time? Yes, yes. yes, I think the first one uh, that I read was The Sheep Look Up. And yes. then bar came a little later. And the translator of this, I even met John a few times, four or five times where I had a little contact. What was he like? Uh, sorry? What he
0: was, was he a, like? Was
1: a, like? Was a, was a he was a true gentleman. It well, was a true gentleman. Really distinguished British gentleman. Very easygoing, very kind, very cultivated, he was a great man, and I even had uh, some of my fellows in the German scene was were with him when he died. that was on a whirl in Glasgow. you he heard the story of the night when it happened. Mm-hmm. went far too early, he had lots of trouble, in late death. I think the later part of his career was not what he deserved. It was groundbreaking, and he mm-hmm. has influenced us all with the idea of a politically and a engaged kind of science fiction. This was a complete, it was a deep influence. And the German translator of John Wanner, especially of, of his uh, main works, was Horst Buchholz, who became my main mentor. Who introduced was one of the two. He's below introduced me to the German science fiction scene. And it was about, um, it was about in the late 70s, I think, that I started writing science fiction, met a few people, met a few professionals, and so I slowly got in and slowly drifted away from red fiction and thought, "Why, that's something interesting that I would like to write myself. And since 1989, as I said, I'm a full professional doing it for almost, yes, modern time. What is this? More than 30 years now, yes. That's <laughs> okay. I am mean, the co-founder of the German science fiction magazine Nova, that I co-founded in 2002. I took together with one other man, who was my other mentor, and Tim Orm was a very generous supporter of RSC. And uh, in... 2005, when I had the idea to uh, publish an international edition with uh, some fiction stories from all over the world. And that's how we got into contact. I don't yes. know exactly, don't remember exactly how it was. I think I found your website and I contacted you. The other contacts were via Richard Kunzman to Lavi Tita, and Lavi knew a lot of people, or maybe that he has it. Yes, it does. Well, okay, well to... just
0: let, let's be clear on that. Yes, LaViti was also, he was coming up
1: during that time.
0: He started winning a lot of short stories, uh, mm-hmm. short story competitions. And that's how people got to know him at the time. Still no books published at the time. And I think you found me because I used this new thing called the internet. Mm-hmm. And, um, and basically there were e like tons of uh Webzines published my stories, and you probably found me through one of those.
1: Yes, yes, this was something. And then I think the first of your stories that I published was in NOVA, actually. Oh, this is how the whole thing I, came about. We had yes. in, Nova is usually a magazine for contemporary German science fiction. And, but from early on, we had the concept of publishing each issue a story by a foreign guest writer. Mm-hmm. And for a translated story. And there were some famous writers involved, Greg Egan, Brian Alders. And, uh, later we had some uh, Chris Priest and some others who contributed stories. Um, well, I had the idea that we'd look for writers outside of the English. Uh, of the english-speaking world from areas where and that's how it came you and as we direct your stories i was very impressed very ingenious idea very straightforward i always admired your a sh- uh, style which is short sentence hammering out the ideas It was amazing I only Walter, then new was a little of a similar vein was Greg Egan in his early short stories. And that's uh, how it came out. And we always stayed in contact. I think we're 15 years now that we know each other.
0: Yes, I think so. Even more.
1: Yes, could be. Yes. 2004, 2000, Yes, about that.
0: I appreciate that. Also, Greg Egan and I used to write about very similar things. Um people and computers and all kinds of uh, consciousness uh, things that have to do with uh, you know this new thing called uh, computers and AIs and the uh, virtual world. Uh, and so you created then uh, Internova,
1: right? Yes, yes. Internov- Internova was, uh, uh, we had only one printed issue. Internova. Uh, there was the time in 2005, it was difficult, uh, very, very, very was a very good issue, I think. It was by you, Alexander mm. Shiryak, by some uh, American, uh, uh, South American writers, by uh, Fandana Singh, a lot of writers who are pretty well known mm. today internationally. Uh, but we failed to find some international. Uh, distribution channels. We just sold hundred copies of it, and it was just not to continue. Uh, we had the concept with Nova. We never wanted to make profits. I never expected to. We just wanted to sell enough that one issue funds the next one. And this is something that failed with Internova. Let me just say for people
0: who don't know, Nova was uh, a magazine in English of international size.
1: Internova. 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 In yeah. yeah. Nova over it was a German magazine, it was a German mm. language magazine. And of was in English from early on. Which was something it worked pretty uh, pretty well because I found that wherever you look around in the world, any ambitious word that some was either writing in English, you write partly in English. I think your your uh, um your place on the television is hey yes, is this right and your stories are in English. Yes, my stories were in English and translated to people. Uh, 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 so, it's, so we found that lots of stuff from all over the world available in English or English translation, So that was not a problem. It really worked, and then it was, uh, I think, three or four years later, that we failed as a, as a printed magazine that I started it as an, uh, as an online magazine, and. Uh, this was, was um, two or three years since I did this, but until 2010. And then it was around the time when I uh, was completely off for a while due to health problems. But now I'm back. Now I'm back. I'm restarting the whole thing. I'm not too old yet. So, hmm. and what we found is that we had a, a of interesting thing about about us. Of the, the magazine failed as a printed magazine. I think we had a little, uh, we did a little contribution to the development of international science fiction that was understand. A lot of writings that uh, science fiction has become much more international. Uh, for example, things that has happened like uh, a French writer, has several was the first to win the Nebula Award in the USA, was almost unthinkable before. She writes in English with at Boda, but um, uh, she still lives in France as a continental European writer. They won the Nibelow, The later in Chinese, so a writer won, won the Hugo. So it has all become, and lots of the writers that I had connections with uh, uh, have become pretty well known. Santana Singh, not the yeah. Indian. Indian writer living in USA has become pretty pretty well known, not just in science fiction, and mainstream writing as well. Uh, our friend, Lavi Tita, made a huge career. I don't know how he did it. I think he writes one book every week. I don't know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's incredible. Incredibly mm-hmm. uh, prolific. Good writer. And some others, Paz is this amazing writer from Finland. And so I can claim to a little degree that I had a good nose for the, for the good writers. So how did you and find that, those writers at the time? Uh, I made pretty systematic research uh, about it. I went through, through the different countries and, and I looked And then, of course, a huge help was uh, Lavi Tita and Richard Kunzman because they knew a lot of people. You know, in his early years, Lavi was... Troubling around the world. I think he was living in the South Sea for a while and all kinds of stuff. And he knew a lot of people and gave me a lot of contacts. Mm-hmm. So this helped a lot. Then at, um, uh, sometimes writer contact, writers contacted me, especially from Croatia. That's where he came to the contact there. Mm-hmm. And I did a lot of research. I found writers, what I mean. Contacted them with the websites, and so it slowly extended. Mm-hmm. And overall, sometimes it took 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 quite some turns. To find. For example, I've published some stories from Thailand. No one has ever heard anything from Thailand science fiction. Yes. I find a guy who had a website with Thai literature that he translated into and then I asked him, tell me. Do you know anybody who was writing in science fiction? Yes, I know this guy who is in contact with them. And so I got the stars from Thailand, four or five, mm-hmm. I think. Um, but I got one um, so So it got better. And today, since everyone is present on Facebook and the internet, it has become much easier to make oh, new
0: content. Nice. Work. and It must be... It, you know, in doing this, yes. you know this thing is not going to make you rich, right? Like when you published InterNova for the first time, you thought the best I, I want to do is to be able to support, to create the next one. Yes, but you didn't expect it to, to be a bestseller and sell millions, and you know, and that must take a lot of. It's a lot of effort to do. It's a lot of effort to to go through with it, and it costs money. And it costs time,
1: and
0: it must take. Uh, where do you get
1: the strength
0: to do that? I have no idea.
1: <laughs> it's the same. It's the same as with well, Nova. It's just a passion. It's mostly a passion. It's the same with Nova. I'm doing Nova now for twenty years. I've just just published today here I have the latest issue thirty-one. is it a little bit. Or is it a little That's bit? a try. I try. I try. You can certainly see. Where are you going? No, a little higher.
0: A little higher?
1: <laughs> That's a little higher. Okay. Okay. Yes. Oh, you would see it, you would see it online. And let's issue and doing it for twenty years on all that ever came about, earning uh, some yet really could go out with with the the editorial fellows and get drunk a few times that was almost everything Mm -hmm. um, for 20 years i'm not thinking i'm looking for a successor or maybe do four or five more issues and then it will be done for me um Yes, it is, it's a matter of passion, and yeah. it's each time, each time when you see the issue, you see that you still manage. We are very small scene, We have not many good writers, and we still we still manage uh, to make a good magazine. Find good stories. Maybe you have to sometimes you have to read 50 stories to find three or four good ones that you really uh, can accept and. It's still working. It's still working. It was very hard, but we we'll have to do it. Uh, a few years ago mm, a magazine was on the brink. At had, had uh, a publisher wasn't wasn't has had us out, but I didn't get along with him. So was with the other publisher, my co editor had to quit doing a magazine. And I made a new contact and I had to build up the whole editorial team again. And we are now together. I have a great publisher now. Michael Eitel has a very renowned small publisher in our scene. And since we are together, we are perfect, we work perfectly together. And I have several guys. And uh, I know a lady now has joined in this editorial. Such a great team. It's amazing. I think it's do it better than ever before. And, well, well, it was all uh, working out so well. And I said, well, how about it? We start Internova again, too. And that's what we're just in preparation. I've just read, uh, I think, 40 or 50 stories that I have from international writers. And i just collect my multitude to do it with three online issues a year and one printed issue. And you remember, we are in contact. I have your marvelous novella, um, Most Beautiful Intimacies, oh. and I'm looking forward. And my new novella this year in German translation Thirty, so will be in there with your, with your novella. Mm-hmm. And I think we will be a great team. And this year we can I hope we can make it this year. I will start with the online, online edition, probably in March.
0: Personally, I love that story. Uh, it's I think
1: it's one of my uh, best.
0: Um, do you, have you felt over the years, you've done this for like Nova, for years, have you felt a difference in the way uh, the German audience uh, receives science fiction?
1: Mm, there's something going on that's about to influence the way we publish and market the magazine uh, the general science fiction audience has diminished in Germany even for us for the for the large publishers you, you know when uh, I started in the uh, in the 80s the publisher heine had the largest science fiction. Um, series in the world. Uh, it had about 10 or 12, 12 uh, new uh, books each month. Mm-hmm. Uh, was even larger than 12 books. was the second largest. And Heine was the greatest in the world. And in their best time, they initially sold 20,000 copies within three or four, four months. As we see that it was immense the whole, the whole publishing house was living from the science fiction and from the cooking books and this was what brought in the money mm-hmm. and uh, since then the the um, large audience for science fiction steadily diminished. If they sell like about five thousand copies today they will celebrate you know? It has um, become especially difficult for German science fiction because um, uh, science fiction is always perceived as an Anglo-American kind of literature. Writers writers always prefer the Anglo-American writers. Everything international, you know, probably know this yourself. It's difficult for any international to come in and to be recognized and perceived. to, to be right it's very difficult for us all and it's completely independent of the quality i think you are on the par with the best uh, anglo american writers and see it as a difference in the perception and mm, this made it very difficult so uh, so uh the whole german science fiction work has mostly retweeted into small publications and that's what we do. We contribute our part, and we, I think we had our part in keeping this thing alive. The only exception for German Science Fiction, who is well to a wider audience, is the bestseller writer, Andreas Eschbach. You might not have heard him, and he was published by... Um, so, this is one thing. The core audience of science fiction, which is called science fiction, has steadily diminished. But on the other thing, something has happened. And we talked about this before. Uh, there's more and more science fiction published by mainstream publishers, which is, is not called science fiction. It's not published yeah. as science fiction. It's published as modern literature, mm-hmm. which is either is is either strongly influenced by science fiction. Uh, it's actually pure science fiction without being called like this. You have more and more like this. And what's especially striking in earlier decades when some mainstream writers did some science fiction writing. It was not very competent. They didn't know the genre. They didn't know what had happened before. But now you have a whole generation of new writers who have really assimilated popular literature literature among them, uh, uh, among its science fiction, and they're writing very competent science fiction, more or less a degree in some tense towards, uh, towards, little more towards mainstream, some as purely science fiction. And you often, on the other side, you have a, a trend that writers have started as science fiction writers, are going out into the mainstream. I mean, it, came, it happened with classics like Ballard and Dick, who are not perceived as science fiction writers anymore, but are just classics of, of post-war literature in their countries. And then you have writers like Samuel Delany, who, who, with his, his latest uh, mainstream novels, is recognized as one of the greatest writers America has today. So it's opening up. It's actually happening. Science fiction is going out and is going out in the world. It's it has become a part of the uh, uh, of the mainstream of general modern literature. It's influenced a it lot. It's going up, and this is something that we will try to follow. Well, Nova will not be marketed as a science fiction magazine. We'll completely avoid the term be as a specialized modern uh uh short story magazine we same saying we'll try with internova same we'll try with a new book series called uh cutting edge that we've talked about so well the trend just turned the trend of science fiction into mainstream culture was faster than us. It has uh, prefigured us, and we're simply f- trying to follow us and make use of this trend ourselves. This is what we're trying to do in the next years.
0: And what what are the trends like in German science fiction? The writers that you publish. Other trends, other subjects that they keep going back to: utopias, dystopias, and political stuff, or.
1: Mm. Generally, I think that uh, um, that uh, uh, German science fiction has become rather unpolitical no. in contrast for a comparison to the previous generation of writers who became active in the 80s so, became prominent. They're very political. They're turned from the traditional science fiction and set their stories into Germany in the near future and, and Local politics and things like that, and this is something. This is something that has got lost. Some political engagement. Well, I still, still sometimes, on a few writers, some sometimes still write uh, science fiction stories with political undertones, but generally this has diminished. What is um, what is surely that comes up again is. Um, comes up on more is uh, the topic of virtual reality of computer games. The whole gaming culture has a lot of influence in the science fiction. We have more more stories like that that come come in. And um, one interesting thing that you've mentioned uh, Second Life in the beginning and I was not the only one, there were some others who have entered a kind of a feedback loop between science fiction and Second Life. Um, you may have heard that Second Life was inspired by the uh, cyberpunk novel Snow Crash by Neil Stephenson, the classic. And the developer, was, uh, was there, the developer has read this novel and has partly, in France, it was not, uh, it was not the only uh, inspiration, but it has influenced the design of the whole thing. And now, since uh, a lot has happened in second life, a lot what science fiction writers speculated about how the psychological, the social changes on people. This is already. On, on, through virtual reality. This is already happening there. All kinds of three crazy things, subcultures, people who are partly left, and say, this has already happened there. And now writers began, science fiction writers began to write stories. I did one which was, which was rather funny, and other writers did this too, and now influenced from the real. Uh, Virtual worlds that are actually there, and the whole design, the technology has, has influenced science fiction. Really. So there's a kind of a feedback loop that's very pronounced in the first part of my new novella. You will usually read this when we, when the English version is out. And this is quite interesting. The feedback between virtual reality games and, uh, um, science fiction. The interchange of influences and ideas. That's the something I think that's kind of very pronounced in German science fiction.
0: And by the way, what kind of things do you write?
1: Yes. Yes. Um, Yes, some, um, uh, this, uh, is what I just mentioned. The story that I've just, the novella that I've just published was a story that I first wrote in English, a first longer story in English, a novella of about 100 pages. First time that I've read completely in English, and then I did a German translation. And this is, um, an extension of the virtual reality topic. It's about augmented reality. The whole system has been developed, an industrial kind system, to overlay the reality with artificial images in such a way that people can share the same physical space, but it looks different for anybody of them. They decide how they want it to look like. They can choose each in this world, you can change the appearance of people. They can change the physical appearance and overlay this with artificial images. And then, against this background, this is basically a love story. A man sees a woman one time, a short moment. It completely influences his life, and she may be just an an, an illusion that was created by this uh, by this augmented reality machine to please him at his moment, to what social networks do, to, to entice him to something commercial, uh, to entice an emotional reaction, and this changes his whole life. This is, things like this, then the um, interface between things, um, that are virtual things that are real, the interwoven of physical and virtual reality to a degree and you cannot tell anymore where it starts, one ends and the other starts. This is what fascinates me a lot. And this is, um, yes, I can say that will be, uh, of my next, no- Max novels, next hours will, be, uh, will be a topic for these things too. How many novels have you published? Or I think I've just published five novels, five or six so far. I have a few others going. Um, um, uh, um, uh, I prefer writing stories, especially mm-hmm. uh, all that All in normal writing think that my strongest part is novellas and essays, literary essays. This is probably my strongest part. Mm-hmm. I've written a lot of short stories, too. I'm um, not a not very prolific writer. So, um, quite a few books, um, maybe 40 stories so far. It's not so much for the time I'm in it. Uh, but um, especially. Pretty good. It...
0: Sorry? It's not Stephen King, but it's pretty good.
1: Yes, yes. Okay, okay. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Um, I'm a slow slow reader and I'm a slow writer, so and it takes a lot of time until I'm really satisfied with something. That so. was my little uh, reputation in reputation and something. I think you know, I did pretty well and it paid off paid off the time that I put into this stuff. Yes. I,
0: I want to go back to the past, back to your childhood. Uh, what was the science fiction scene like then? Like what kind of
1: science fiction was available in Germany? Oh, I didn't actually, uh, I was in it in the early times of science fiction. I think uh, science uh, science fiction publishing started in the 50s or so, in the late 50s, early 60s. Uh, We still had at that time, which is called, uh, something that is called Leihbüchereien, which means uh, lending, lending libraries, these were actually like oh. small, yeah. small yeah. shops, and they, probu- they produced, especially for this market, thick, fat hardcover books with fat paper. was it a little like pulps, just as hardcovers were very low quality produced, and a lot of uh, science fiction was first published there translated science fiction, and a lot of writers later got into Perilodon and stuff like this, started writing, writing for science fiction for the Leibbücher And this was actually, that I think back, it was actually my very first contact with some uh, science fiction. There was the, these Leibbücher they vanished, I think, the last ones vanished in about in the mid-70s. Mid-70s was the very last one. And the area where we were uh, in the city where we were up in the, in the district, there were two left. And I wrote a few books. This very first thing, years be- before I really became a science fiction reader and writer, and I wrote a time-traveling story about Walter Ernstine, became known in Germany with the English, pseudonym New Clark Dalton kind of a legendary figure in German science fiction. This was the very first stuff that I read. But as I said, my interest was initially in weird fiction. I read, read very little um, when I entered the scene. It was well it was in the early 80s, 82. My first novel was published in 84. That was a time when Heine and some of the 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 science fiction market had already been hugely developed in science fiction. You have to consider you have not just Heine, you had each month had about fifty science fiction books published new in Germany. So it was incredible. You had five or six uh, paper blank publishers and it were some hardcover publishers it. It was incredible it was a huge thing that you could go into.
0: Wait, I'm also remembering uh, the author of the Never Ending Story. wrote a lot of books. Uh, Do you pronounce his name, uh, Michael Ende? Michael Ende. Yes. Yes. He's
1: he's German, right? He's German. Yes. In the fantasy, He was well known for the Never Ending Story and it was actually a very, very nice wonderful fantasy writer of much higher quality of the average fantasy today. And yes, he was he was an international success. And he was
0: was he also considered a success in Germany?
1: Yes, yes. Yes, I think started was international success. Started here in Germany.
0: And he has lots of
1: children's books too, right? Like lots of fantasy. Uh yes, it was at first regarded as children books, yeah. But uh, was probably an early example of what they called uh, all age books today. Uh, it was read by, by children by, by, uh, by adults before Harry Potter came, Michael Hendo was already there, yes. Mm. Uh, mm-hmm. this is um, this is interesting. We have um anyway, we have to see it in this line. We have it in Germany uh, pretty interesting tradition of fantastic literature that was cut off by the Second World War. For example, you started to have this when Prague was still German, I think it was until the late nineteenth century, when you have writers like Mauring or Kafka there. Then you mm. had Oh, unique writers, uh, fantastic writers that came. And it's always cut off. There's the whole culture of fantastic writing in Germany, especially in the weird kind. Um, and it was cut off by Second World War. All this stuff went vanished. And um, so after the Second World War, we had the invade, uh, uh, then the American pop culture came began to dominate the markets and this way science fiction came in. And we yeah, like in many countries, I don't know if you have something similar in Israel, similar development, the American pop culture came in. And if you have started uh, to write something as a and write something like this yourself, you was always uh, perceived as something not quite white, something not mm-hmm. quite authentic. Someone uh, uh, science some fiction was perceived as, as American literature and we were exotics in our own country. And I think this has happened in many countries. For example, we have a huge scene of writing in Spanish, Spanish and in Latin America. amazing writers and it never really never really became known the amazing writers they have a huge scene in Spain I've heard and you barely hear anything about it but even this has started to change and well, this, this is something that happened to us and happened to a lot of them we were foreigners in our own country uh, we were confronted with an American dominated pop
0: culture mm. and can, can I ask you like was there a difference like if it was stopped by the second world war and then German, germany was split into two east germany and west germany uh, and was there a difference in how it developed how literature developed and uh, uh fantasy and science fiction in the different sections yes
1: there's uh, was definitely definitely a difference uh of how writers science fiction or science fiction interest by this developed in eastern Germany eastern most of all they were uh, very much not completely cut off but this was the exposition to American science fiction what the was published what it was rather limited was mm. but only certain kinds of varieties that were even even commercially very successful, like classics, like Asimov or something, it was published. Um, or something a political bias, something like uh, 1984 by Orwell, which is, uh, uh, this was, I think this was published and stuff like that. But usually the exposure was more toward the East. Lots of writing, uh, fantastic writer from Russia, uh, from Russia has been fantastic writing from all the East European countries. The more, more to a certain degree, they were among themselves. So Eastern Europe. So they developed a um, uh, very own kind of science fiction in Eastern Eastern Germany. And you have to think uh, also consider that these writers were really professional writers, when in, um, meaning that they. Could live from the writing. Uh, when you, were an Eastern German, air assistant, when you entered the uh, writer association, I think there were some prerequisites. Yeah, to come, but you entered this. You were recognized that You received a salary away from the state, so you could take your time and write one book each year. Take the time of the quality. You didn't have the same problems that we didn't in Western Germany had we always have to think, well, you want to write, from what do you want to live? Where do you want your living? Uh, so a lot of us started to translate, and you knew your whole time was sucked up by translating. You hardly had any time to write. And this was different in Eastern Germany. So people, <laughs> and the same thing was not just with writing, that you could, that you had a cell phone, but also with the data, by editing role, and editor you had, you had if you stick to stick to the the eastern part of the square writing from there you could do a lot of things for example not just in science fiction. for example if you want to uh, research some older Eastern Europe science fiction I usually uh, look up old books from the from Eastern Germany, Uh, not just in science fiction, but also if if I want to read some general world literature, modern literature, a lot of the stuff was published in Eastern Germany. They were cut off mostly from the anglo American uh, publishing mainstream, so I had that freedom to do other things that were, wouldn't have been regarded as commercially interesting here. It's
0: interesting. one last question about this stuff. I like going into the past. So, in the early twentieth century, you had Kafka, and you know, otherwise, uh, which you know, that's a great uh, oval of uh, uh, writers. Was there a tradition of this? Were there also great writers of something along those lines in nineteenth, eighteenth, seventeenth centuries?
1: Mm. I, I think I have not dug so far into the past yet. Uh, from what another uh, we had, uh, yes, we had actually a well, longer tradition, of fantastic writing for example, are Hoffman, things like that, who have, uh, I think in early early 19th, 19th century. Yes, I, I, I'm not really an expert for this. I have, uh, I have some some older fellow writers know more about this yes there was more there was a there was a pretty pretty long tradition some of the some of the writings by Hoffman have some science fiction and elements and then came the prague fantastic the Dimension Kafka mying then you had some very very unique fantastic in Germany uh which and sometimes losing names losing names and um, Paul Shabbat is mm. very unique, fantastic, amazing stuff. It's pretty well unknown today. And that was a tradition. I have not really researched this yet. I would like mm. to know more about that. and Maybe it is something that I will do in the future.
0: It's interesting to... if they stood on the shoulders of. Uh,
1: something yes, of... yes. But that problem, as I said, this was pretty much cut off by the Second World War. Yeah. I think a lot of this. A lot of those German writers today um, are not aware of that, I think. There's little influence, little influence, but it's kind of the main influence, for example, in German uh, fantasy writing too, even among better writers, main influence is Tolkien that's little influence coming from the German writers pre-Second World War. This is something really uh, a kind of a tradition that we have lost here, I think.
0: And what's Hoffman's first name, if I want
1: to find this uh, I don't know. Uh, ETA, ETA is usually used, the initials, I think it was Ernst Theodore Amadeus Hoffman, when I remember correctly. And the most famous um, tale is the Sandman, the Sandman. He was even a composer and I think there was even an opera written about the Sandman, if I remember correctly. So he was was very involved involved in the the other arts.
0: And so, is there something uh, you wanted to talk about that we didn't cover?
1: Uh I think yeah, let's, let's uh let's talk about our latest plans. Yes, uh, it's, yeah. it's, um first thing is um we will continue over. Mm-hmm. Of course if, uh, as I said, I'm looking for a success to come take over the story editing doing it. I'm with a magazine for twenty for twenty years now, so I think about twelve years I'm doing the story mm-hmm. editing. Or well, not I'm I will continue the few for more issues, we want to bring it more uh, forward into a modern speculative fiction magazine. We want to go off on the basic science fiction readership, which is very limited. And we try to incorporate science fiction writers who are open to science fiction, mainstream writers who are open to science fiction. This is something we will continue. Then, as we've talked about, um, and this, we start in Danova. I uh, already mentioned that, and then I just sing as we start a new box service. This was my idea. Box service is called um, Cutting Edge. We are Cutting Edge just in preparation. Of, say that slowly. What is cutting it called? Edge. That's cutting Edge. Cutting Edge. Yes. Okay. This is what we have already. We have been in contact about that. We have our own plans, here. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is exactly what I talked about. We will publish a selection of some of the best German science fiction a few selected books by international writers like you and uh, we can talk about several others and we want to particularly the best stuff that we have in our our scene and to target it at a larger audience outside of the core of the typical science fiction readership and publish it as a kind of modern literature um based uh based focused on ideas on speculative ideas so with that we're, we're trying to get out over the over the core of the science fiction scene and we have some new ideas how to unlock how to represent it how to remarket really it and this is one of the next things that we have we have already two books in preparation one is a newer collection by my mentor, Horst and a collection of Toss and Creepers. That was a guy who has brought me into Second Life, made me aware of it, who mm-hmm. has ought to be one of the best science fiction songwriters writers in Germany for the last 15, 20 years. I the two books. then well, I have talked to a lot of writers, some German. I'll talk to you. I have some, some other ideas at want And this is this is well we can start it this year probably in May with the first books. And this is what We have some ingenious ideas. Well a friend a friend in Austria uh, was graphic designer in main profession is just preparing the looks. It's very nice, very interesting. And we have some ingenious ideas for how to present it, how to produce the cover graphics and things like that. This is the next thing I want to do. Well, actually, well, you know me for a while. Uh, you know, they were always, I'm always full of crazy ideas. I'm always doing 5,000 things in parallel. I think you're yeah. pretty similar to me in this regard. And um, well, yes, uh, since, and, uh, as I mentioned, I had been. Off with health problems for about 10 years. I could hardly work and a lot of things hmm. were left and done. That's what I'm doing now for two years. I'm back. And well, I'm working my ass off. I've never worked as hard as I did right now.
0: Sounds like it. It's amazing. It's amazing that you got better and that you're working hard. Thank you so much to Michael Ivolait. I hope you enjoyed that. The most surprising bit for me was the ability to go decades back, and learn some of the origins of the path of German science fiction and fantasy. I love excavating the past. Now, next time, because there's always a next time, there's always another geek. Next time we return to comics and webcomics with one person's special path. Stick around for that. What did you think about this episode? Email me at guy.hasson at geekdomimpulse.com. That's guyh A W S O N at geekdemingpows.com the website is geekdemingpows.com on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok we're at geekdemingpows we're also geekdemingpows on YouTube if you want to check out my other podcast The Squash Buckler Diaries it is an experiment in fantasy and storytelling feel free to check it out The Squash Buckler Diaries I will see you next time and for now have an empowered day